Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When a mysterious true crime story appears online, people find it mildly interesting until they begin to look into the author who posted it. And then we take a look at a virtual reality game that allows you to go into the fictional world of Twin Peaks. Seems quite benign, unless you've watched that show and know how terrifying it is. But could this game actually be a harbinger for the terrifying future of virtual reality? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too, broadcasting live from the haunted closet. I'm going to start adding that to the intro of each episode as well. Boo, boogity, boogity. And flying into Dead Rabbit Command right now on a paper airplane. I don't know why, why I've started making you guys so tiny. Maybe it's some weird fetish. Maybe I have like a miniaturized Littles fetish. I want everyone to be an inch tall. Flying in on a paper airplane, it's Orangutan Banana. Everyone give a round of applause to Orangutan Banana. Orangutan Banana, I wish I could pronounce pronounce that right. At least I'm getting the banana part right. Is a Patreon supporter and is the person who set up the Dead Rabbit Radio subreddit. And this is the example of what I'm talking about, getting the word out. This guy set up this subreddit, spreading the word of Dead Rabbit Radio. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you are not part of my miniaturization fetish, that's fine too. It's preferable. The second thing that you're not just helps spread the word about the show. Really, really, really helps out a lot. It helps the show grow. Orangutan banana is now normal size, but it's still an orangutan. So he's like, what, four feet tall? Eating bananas. Orangutan, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the hair hang glider. We are going to fly. We're going to grab onto your furry little ankles. And we are going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to China. (sighs) Going over the high seas. So we get to China. Specifically, we're in Jiangsu. That's in the Nanjing province in China. It's January 10th, 1996, and we're walking along the streets, kind of hanging out, and we see a newspaper. It's like floating down the wind all dramatically and stuff, and we grab it. All of us grab it at the same time we're reading it. The headline says, college freshman missing, not found yet, says cop. (laughs) It's just one cop with pictures. It's a cop shrugging his shoulders. He's like, I don't know where she's at. Dio Aichang is a college freshman from the Nanjing University. She goes missing. And the cops don't know where she's at, as what the headline says. Now, 10 days later, this woman is walking down the street. She sees a little plastic bag sitting on the side of the road. And she goes, huh, I wonder what's in that. I'll take it home and figure it out. So she takes the bag and she takes it home. Now, I don't know if this was like right outside of her house. So it's just like, first, nobody does that. I check bags when I'm walking down the street because I'm always assuming there's going to be like I don't know, like a magic ring in it or money. Money's more realistic. Something fun. But I've never, like, found a mystery bag and been like, golly, can't wait to get this home. But I got a bunch of chores doing and I'm carrying around a bunch of cocaine that fell out of some drug dealer's pocket. I'm like at Taco Bell. I'm like, two tacos, please, as, like, canines are coming up behind me. 
you check it there. But anyway, she doesn't. She takes it home, she opens it up, and she goes, hmm, this is interesting. Um, it's chopped pork meat. That's weird, right? I probably could have found that out outside. I totally could have figured that before I brought mystery meat into my house. She's looking at this sack of meat. I want you to re remember these details, too, because this is a very, this is a story that I'll probably forget to go back on the details, but you'll probably have questions about it. She's looking at this bag of chopped meat, and then she looks a little bit closer, and inside it, she finds a human finger. Across town, it's like garbage day, everyone's garbage is sitting out, and some guy walks out and he sees some garbage sitting in a bag on the street, and he goes, hmm, interesting. And he's smart, he opens it up right there, and he goes, gadzooks! He doesn't take it home, he realizes that this, even if it is chopped pork meat, it's pretty disgusting. But people start calling the cops because they start finding these bags of mystery meat all over town. In all, when the police take all of these bags, it equals up to 2,000 pieces of meat, one finger, and they all came from a person, the same person, and they're all cooked. It was like chopped up. They kept saying they were stacked like sushi. In these bags, just like little cubes. I know Sushi Circle, but you know how they're stacked up. Little cubes. And when you collected all the bags, it was the most grim version of Pokemon ever. When you collected them all together, you could reassemble a human body. And that's what they did. They were able to reassemble the body of Dai Ai Chang in this fashion. Now, you go, Jason, you're cracking a bunch of jokes, which is uncharacteristic for you for a true crime story. And that's true. Usually, like, I'll crack jokes and then I'll stop when it gets super serious and gross. But you, you continue to crack jokes during this one. What is different about this story? Well, the story itself, as I told it, parts of it seem to be true. We do know that a young woman went missing, apparently, in this time period. And there is a photograph of this woman reassembled. I did not look at the photograph. I didn't want to go looking for the photograph, but apparently there is a photograph of these cubes. They reformed the human. Supposedly this picture is of her, but in cube form. To the point that two friends of hers went into the autopsy room and one of them threw up. And the other one recognized her. I came across this story months ago. And I saw it, and I put it in my bookmarks like I normally do. I go, that's gruesome. That's an interesting story. Young woman goes missing, gets chopped up. And I remember reading the post, and here's a quote from it. And th this is where we start to get into the, the really bizarre stuff. Here's a quote from the Reddit post involving this story. Quote, according, she said, the person who wrote this Reddit post, we'll get into her name in a second, but she said, she heard about this story on a podcast. So just like this, you've heard me tell this story on a podcast. This is her quote. According to what I can recollect in the podcast, they said the murderer was most likely either a doctor, a cop, or a medical scientist. Quote, No ordinary human has the ability to carry out such an intricate level of dismemberment under the extreme duress of killing another human being. The murderer has extraordinary psychological stability. All the flesh was meticulously severed, cooked, and neatly stacked like sushi platters. He must have a competent knowledge of human anatomy and possibly has experience dissecting human corpses, unquote. If you heard a podcast and you go, ah, from what I recollect, and then have a word-for-word -word quote, something's wrong. 
You would say, oh, I listen to that podcast all the time. Actually, I transcribed it. You want to go, hmm, yes, if I remember correctly, it said, quote. And then you go word for word. And all of that stuff, meticulously severed, cooked, and neatly stacked like sushi platters. You must have a competent knowledge. Da, 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 da. That doesn't jive right there. Odd detail. And I thought, that's interesting. How do you just, oh, off the top of my head, remember this super detailed quote? But I read so much stuff, and I have this structure for research because I don't have time to research everything. There's a lot of stuff I come across and I go, I might cover that someday, but I don't have time to research it this week or this month or whatever. So I put it in my bookmarks folder. This story stuck in my head for months, even though I was covering all this different stuff. But when I go back to the Reddit post, it was deleted. The person had deleted it. They closed their account, everything. Damn it. I've learned my lesson. I've started archiving stuff. Reddit post especially, but that happened with yesterday's story as well. I was I was discouraged. I was like, dang it, you know, I really want to cover that story. And then I started looking at the comments because I'm thinking maybe because sometimes stuff gets deleted, but the person will say, hey, I moved it to another subreddit or something like that. I started looking through the comments and then things got even weirder. All over the comments, people were saying, you sicko. <laughs> not to me, not to me. They're like, Jason, I know you're reading this, you pervert. No, they're like, you sicko, I can't believe that you would post this story. And other people are like, yeah, this is so gross. There's this gross anti-Asian fetish. And I was like, what in the world? I had read the post months ago. I didn't pick up any of that stuff. I thought it was a little suspicious. But people started talking about the user's blog. We found your blog and blah, blah, blah. You're some disgusting, racist, misogynist pervert. So I go, I need to find this blog. I need to find this. Now, luckily, this page automatically got archived. Let's take a look at the blog of Jennifer Suzuki. Orangutan Banana, let's digitize the Jason Jalopy. We're going to drive into the internet to take a look at the blog of the Reddit user. The Reddit user's name that she goes by, at least online, I don't know if it's really her name. I don't know if it's really a woman. There's a whole bunch of rabbit holes down this one. Let's digitize the Jason Jalopy. We're headed to the website of Jennifer Suzuki, inferiorasian.com. We have to drive past a bunch of other gross websites to get there. Just don't look out the side. Keep your hands inside the vehicle at all times. It's super gross. Inferiorasian.com. Now, Jennifer Suzuki, we're going to just have to assume a couple things about her. She says that she's half white. Her father was a U.S. military man. And half uh, half Japanese, I believe that she actually says that she's half Japanese. She hates Asians. I, I maybe that's not fair. I mean, <laughs> you have a website called InferiorAsian.com. She, I would I would say she hates Asians, but specifically she seems to have a sexual fetish towards Asian women being abused by Caucasian men. It seems to be her main fetish. I spent more time than I ever could have wanted to. On this website, looking around at stuff, uh, she talks trash about Asian men, but they're kind of invisible in her narratives. And what she does is she has a collection of true crime. She has a couple true crime stories. Then she'll have like weird, really poorly written erotica, but super gory. And I would even hate to use the term erotica because it's not erotic. Christian Grey would be like, that's super gross. Christian Grey would be like, throwing up, you've gone too far. Really gross stuff. Let's look at some of the categories. Well, so it's in, it's uh, 
InferiorAsian.com is the website. The tagline is a submissive East Asian woman's dreams and fantasies. You're like, Jason, it's just her dreams and fantasies. You're you're defending her. <laughs> you're going to have to be the straw man. You're like, no, Jason, no, don't make me be the straw man. Here, this other, this other person who's walking by will be the straw man. He's like, but dude, it's just her dreams and fantasies. Sure, you can say that, but let's go into this stuff. And at a certain point, your dreams and fantasies could they be causing real-world harm, right? That, that's kind of the thing. And I don't want to get all moral majority on this thing, but just kind of keep that in the back of your head. These are the categories of her website. We have good Asian wife. You're like, see, Jason, she likes to be a good Asian wife. Abused Asian wife is the next one. Asian office lady, Kelly Wong. I really hope... I looked into these ones, and it seemed to just be erotica about a woman named Kelly Wong. Asian real estate agent, Stephanie Kwan... It doesn't say good Asian wife and give a name. I'm really, really suspicious that these are real people. And then um, True Crimes. She has a couple articles. Like True Crimes, she finds articles about women in real life who have been brutalized and tells them in a way that it's supposed to turn you on. That's where the dreams and the fantasies... Keep that in the bedroom if you want to... It's so gross, but if you want to fantasize about being... A, a and again, we're not talking like Christian Grey. We're not talking like, ooh, velvet cuffs. and like, I got this guy, this little whip from Adam and Eve. These women are being murdered and turned into slices of meat. And that, she has multiple stories about that, by the way. It's not just the one. Would you like? Would you like a sample of one of her writings? Blood splattered and flowed, as if her red nail polish became amoebas and multiplied. <laughs> nothing says sexy like amoebas, right? I mean, nothing says sexy like blood either. But even if you have a blood fetish, I don't think you'd be like, oh yeah, look at those delicious one-celled organisms. Oh, tell me more. Then he said, from now on, you are my slave. You are to be naked, to serve me. And if you try to escape, I will dismember you. Cut you into five pieces. I, you didn't have to, like, if I'm tied up to a chair and someone's like, I'm going to dismember you, I will cut you into five pieces. I'd be like, dude, I know what dismember means, right? I only have five things you can cut off. I will dismember you, cut you into five pieces. You will be left with only a limbless torso. Like a pumpkin. I've never seen a human look like a pumpkin. I've never seen a human resemble a pumpkin. If I'm only left with a limbless torso and you've cut five things off of me, I don't have a head. I'm not worried. Like, as my head is rolling off my body, I'm like, oh, no, my torso. I look terrible. I look like a pumpkin from this angle. My head is just rolling on the ground. Oh, no. If you've cut off five body parts, I'm not worried. <laughs> Oh no, look at I need those stretch marks. Oh, I need to get some cream for those. So yeah, that's the level, that's the level of writing expertise we get from Jennifer Suzuki. I love this. I love this. She also I've never seen this before. She posts a erotic resume, an erotic business resume. And it's titled A Resume for Yuji Yasukuni. It's a person it's for a personal assistant. So let's pretend. You are a CEO, and you get this. You're CEO of a powerful company. You get this resume across your desk, and it says, graduated with an English degree with honors. You're like, that's cool, I guess. I mean, I don't need any English majors with this high-tech company, but fine, whatever. Fluent in Japanese, Mandarin, Chinese, and English. You're like, whoa, okay, you know, English degree, great. She knows how to analyze Edgar Allan Poe. But she can speak all these languages. I can use her to go to these other countries and make business deals and stuff like that. A little further down on the resume. Submissive level. Above average. Like, what? What? 
I've never seen this on a resume before. Someone's listing their submissive level. You're calling in your person, your current personal assistant. Hey, um, Sally, it's been a while. You've been working here for like 15 years. But um, when you turned in your resume, did you let me know what your level of submissiveness you had? She's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you now. It's like, yeah, yeah, fine. Forget that we have this conversation. Underneath submissive level, you continue to read. Underneath submissive level, pain endurance. Above average. So again, this information doesn't have to be on a resume, but this is pretty impressive, right? This is pretty impressive. My submissive level is none. I'm not submissive at all, and my pain endurance is pretty low as well. I, I should start putting this on resumes from now on. People be like, hey, man, I really wanted to hire you, but your submissive level is just way too low. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm groveling. And they're like, keep groveling. You just might get this job. And then, you know, because when you're hiring a personal assistant, you want to know what they look like. Obviously, they come in for the interview, but you want to see it on paper. You want to see it on paper. And I've sent out resumes that have had typos in it, and I've always done face palms afterwards. They're for jobs that I really, really wanted, and it sucks. The typo in this one, she puts down her weight as 54 kilograms, which is 120 pounds. She puts down her shoe size as 23 centimeters. On this high-level professional executive assistant resume, with very, very above-average pain endurance, they put down as their height... This was a typo, because I had to check this out. They put down as their height as 16 centimeters. Something clicked in my head. I go, wait a second. If her feet are 23 centimeters, how is she 16 centimeters tall? Now, I'm assuming... She meant 160 centimeters, which would make her five foot six. But according to this professional resume, Yuji Yasukuni is 120 pounds and half a foot tall. I tried putting this into one of those body calculators online. It won't let me go below four foot nine. I really want to see. You know what I just realized? If you're a half a foot tall and you weigh 120 pounds. You look like a pumpkin! She already looks like... <laughs> That's... How is that even possible? But apparently, there is a personal... This is true, right? Everything on this website is true. Apparently, there is a woman out there who her feet are longer than she is. She's 120 pounds and she's half a foot tall. She ends up really telling this story of... Her life. So, and and so I said originally, I'm getting into more notes here. I said originally that she was white and Japanese. That's not correct. Uh, Jennifer Suzuki, according to herself, her mother is Chinese and her father is white and Japanese. So her father is white and Japanese. Her mother is Chinese. And she says, when I was born, I also had this little sister, but I looked more European and my little sister looked more Chinese. And she tells this story about growing up with her sister who looked mostly Chinese and herself who looked mostly European. And how her dad would beat her mom. And her dad would beat her sister. And she's telling this story about all of this. And when they went to school in Japan, which is where they were living, her sister was made fun of all the time because she looked more Chinese and she was more popular because she looked more European. And this goes on and on. till eventually her sister can't t keep up with the bullying and hangs herself in the closet. And Jennifer Suzuki opened the closet one day and saw her sister hanging there. So is Jennifer Suzuki a, a victim of circumstance? She grew up in this very, very hostile household and ended up becoming a racist and a misogynist and, and loving 
to bask in the pain of other Asian women at the hands of white men? Is is it even a, is Jennifer Zuki even exist? But the reason why I wanted to cover this story, not only because of the tiny personal assistant, but this is always the dark side of true crime. It's that flip side of true crime. So much of us are just interested in the dark side of man. And some people take it a little step further and they watch gory movies and will look at gory photographs. And the people who just kind of like true crime look at them and go, ah, that's a little too macabre for me. But then there are people who are even too macabre for the macabre people. And that's people like this who've created this whole blog that was completely underground. This only existed for the people who liked these stories until one day she posted a story on Reddit and it was uncovered. It makes you wonder how many other websites are out there just like this. Well, there's a lot. Obviously, we know the answer to that. The internet is a wonderful place, but it's also full of a bunch of sickos. Orangutan Banana, this is the last week of season 13, so episodes are probably going to go a little bit long. You, sir, you need to get in that Carpenter Copter. <laughs> He's still on the website. He's like, no, just a few more clicks. Hit the mouse out of his hand. Stop it. Stop it. No more InferiorAsian.com for you. Orangutan Banana, get in this Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind this gross woman's website. We're leaving behind the digital realm. We are headed out to Twin Peaks, Washington. I know the episode's run along, but I really am excited about this. Do you like board games and murder? Then the dark comedic thriller Murder, Barry Wynn is for you. Critically acclaimed on the festival circuit and winner of Best Feature at Phoenix FearCon, Murder, Barry Wynn centers on three aspiring board game designers who have to dispose of a body. With few options available, they turn to their game for guidance. The premise of their game? How to murder someone and get away with it. Pre-order now and you'll receive the original deck of cards as featured in the film for free. Details at MurderBarryWin.com I just watched it the other night. Really, really enjoy it. Pre-order MurderBarryWin at MurderBarryWin.com I was like doing that Governor Copter noise afterwards. This story actually, even though that first story went long, this story won't take long. Orangutan Banana land the Carpenter Copter. We're in the fictional town of Twin Peaks. It's actually Snoqualmie in Washington. I'm actually going to an October visit where they film Twin Peaks. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. And I want to do a week of episodes from up there, dude. I'm watching Twin Peaks for the third time still. We had a bit of a... Uh, I had to take a bit of a break for a while. We were watching like Enola Holmes and a bunch of other stuff. But anyways, we're back watching Twin Peaks. Can't wait to go. Twin Peaks. Dead Rabbit recommends Twin Peaks. If you don't know what Twin Peaks is, quick quick overview. It's three seasons of a television show. It was the predecessor to X-Files. It's half soap opera, half edge of your seat terror. It's all about like everything I hate. It's about portals. It's about the real and the unreal separated by a like a literal doorway. You walk out into your living room, there's a demon there, no one else can see it, or everyone else can see it, and you can't see it. It's all it's a soap opera, but they keep having these elements of supernatural terror throughout the run of the show. And season three is absolutely insane. So it's funny because it has two fan bases. You have people who really like the soap opera stuff. You have kids like me who were going through puberty when it was on and now have an attraction to waitresses. And then you have people who really like the supernatural stuff. And I like all three of them, especially the waitresses. But they recently came out with a VR game, virtual reality game, where you get to go to Twin Peaks. 
You get to visit the Red Room, which was a place of immortal torment. You can visit Glastonbury Grove. Just a little place in the woods, a little... You walk in the woods, there's a couple trees. If you walk too far, you fall into infinite void of the Red Room. That's great. Gave me nightmares as a kid. Uh, you can go to the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Station. That's nice. You can eat virtual donuts. And to top it all off, there's a whole bunch of locations. You can visit the train car where Laura Palmer was raped and murdered. That's great. Right? Who doesn't want to spin a video game where you go to a train car where a young woman was... Jennifer Suzuki It's like, get out of the way, guys! She's putting on the virtual reality glasses. She's like, I'm finally home. It's an escape room game. So you're trying to solve these puzzles and, like, Killer Bob, who's a demon in the show, terrifying to even talk about while I'm in the haunted closet, honestly. He's in it, and it kind of takes you through the plot. I'll tell you this right now. One, I will never play that virtual reality game. I was thinking about maybe doing it for a live stream. I watched maybe 10 minutes of it. Uh, someone else playing it, I was like, no. Twin Peaks terrified me so much as a kid, it continues to terrify me so much as an adult. I want to play the VR game. So you're like, Jason, wait a second. So is this really your final story <laughs> just talking about of Twin Peaks virtual reality game? Here's my final story. Why would you... Twin Peaks is all about the real and the unreal. The dark and the light sitting right on top of each other. Why would you tempt fate by creating a video game that takes you to a world where nothing seems real? If you're playing this video game and it's taking you to another dimension of the video game, am I saying you take the goggles off and you're like, no! Killer Bob sneaking up behind you? Well, actually, that's an interesting question because, no, I don't think you'll put on the goggles, take them off, and you'll be in the world of Twin Peaks. I'm like, first stop, I'm going to the diner. I think that... We've talked about this before. We've talked about games like Fatal Frame that the developer designed to attract spirits. Do you want to put that as a VR game? Because what a VR game does is it shuts off your senses except for the video game world. I can be playing whatever game. I could be playing Minecraft. I could totally get lost in Minecraft. I could totally get lost in Fortnite. <laughs> I'm a 12-year-old kid. I can totally get lost in Fall Guys and Among Us. But obviously, like, my peripheral vision is still picking up everything else. With a virtual reality thing, I'm in the world of Twin Peaks. Now you're like, Jason, yeah, but you're like a digital hand. You can't really move around. You have to do that weird hop mechanic. But those limitations are right now. I, Conspiracy Caps fully on, there probably is virtual reality ceremonies. Now, I'm not talking about, I know people are going to go, yeah, worlds.com, it's this old website where saint worshippers took over parts of it and they hold ceremonies and it looks like EverQuest, it's really bad graphics and stuff like that. I'm aware of that. What I'm talking about is there's always that conspiracy theory out there that whatever technology we have, NASA or the government has 10 times the technology. You think those Velcro shoes are great? You should check out the Velcro on Obama's shoes. Hyper-realistic graphics. Totally immersive experience. And you can perform a demonic ritual with acolytes all over the world at the same time. You put on this headset. You are in this sacred grove of trees. A place that might not have existed for 200, 300 years. It could have been bulldozed over and a Christian church was put on top of it. But this forest, this glen, this grove, 
is perfectly recreated in a virtual reality world, with graphics far better than what we see. You put on your VR headset, and you go virtually to that location. Biosensor feedback. So when you touch something in the world, it feels like the pine needles are pressing against your skin. And you're having this ceremony with people all over the planet at the same time. No more getting caught in the middle of the woods by some local sheriff and two teens. Who, oh, sheriff, we saw some headlights down at the grove. I'll go figure out what's going on. And they stumble across this satanic conspiracy. It would all be done virtually. And it would be very eco-friendly because not everyone would have to fly out there either. And you go, Jason, but isn't... Isn't these demonic rituals that we hear about, like, what are they, they're sacrificing Mario? Yoshi's all, uh -uh. as they're, like, stabbing Yoshi, like, what about them sacrificing people for this? If it's just a virtual person, then would that cause any power at all? Well, no. Well, let's think about that for a second. So, yeah, you're right. You know, that is a big, that is, <laughs> that is a big part of it, is actually s sacrificing somebody. But not all rituals require that. But even the ones that did, I think you could have a workaround. I think you could have a workaround. I think, as I try to think off the top of my head for a workaround, how's this? How's this? You have like a, a, a you have a digital dude in the woods, and he's like all tied up. And then you're doing your chants or whatever, and you have your wavy knife, and everyone takes a stab. Ah, 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 ah. It's all game over. Wah, 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 wah. Boop. You get the high score because you got the most stabs in. And then in real life, that guy, in real life, that avatar was connected to a dude's bank account. And he's like, oh, man, I can't wait to spend this money. That's what I do. I earn money and then spend it. And like his bank, <laughs> every stab, every stab removed $100 from his account. He's like, no. So isn't that kind of like sacrificing someone because you're making them like, you're giving them anguish or... Or, um, like, have you ever had a string of bad luck? Maybe. <laughs> have you had a string of bad luck that's also connected to the internet? Or some sort of digital device? Not like you're tripping on black cats, but, like, let's say you go to renew your insurance and it takes a long time for you to get somebody on the phone. Really, the reason why you're having that bad luck is because your avatar was sacrificed in a dark magic ritual on virtual reality. <laughs> And and because some dude in Belgium was stabbing your digital avatar, you're sitting there on the phone, and it's like, the next operator will pick up in 15 minutes. You're like, no. Okay, so maybe I didn't <laughs> maybe I didn't think this one all the way through. I did think it was a spooky image of business leaders all over the world wearing VR gear and being like, let the sacrifice begin. But I didn't really think through. I didn't really think through what the sacrifice was going to be. But I'll tell you this. Let me try to salvage this. You get a bunch of people who worship dark energy. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes they don't need to do the sacrificing. Sometimes that's enough. Just their prayers and their focus and their power combined is just enough to start to upset the balance. And sure, spilling innocent blood probably makes it a little more powerful, but imagine if instead of having a yearly retreat, because that's the only time everyone can get their schedules together, and get to this area that will be unmonitored at this time, you could do that ceremony once a week. You could do that ceremony once a night if you wanted to. Think about it. 
yeah, now we're back on track. Equinoxes. They only happen so many times a year. But in a digital world, you could have it happen every single night. You could have the stars line up perfectly every single night and power this engine of darkness, this engine of rage, far quicker than you ever could in the natural world. Is it possible that dark forces are currently using advanced VR technology to push forward their agenda? They're able to create these rituals and practice them over and over and over again. Or is it just a conspiracy theory that I made up? When we think about technology in the end of the world, we always think about stuff like nuclear war, rogue AI. But what if it's more old school than that? What if technology isn't going to usher in a new age of technological terror, but an old age where magic and darkness rule the land? One we can prepare for. We can see the rise of the machines. We can try to stop the nations going to war. But the other one is crafted by 13 people with VR helmets. We don't know their names. But we will know their names when they become the dark rulers of this planet. When they were able to use virtual reality to turn our reality into a living nightmare. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Got to open the door. It's so hot in here. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.